This episode is supported by Bounty Kitchen, one of my absolute favorite Seattle restaurants. Bounty Kitchen is no joke, an extension of my own kitchen, except that there's so much fresh, local, organic, and tasty stuff on the menu that it takes me forever to decide what I want. The good news is you literally can't go wrong. Check out greens, beans, and grains dishes like the braised beef bowl, or dive into the vegan and dairy-free Marrakesh market bowl, or try one of my personal favorites for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, the hot liquor bowl. There are also soups, salads, sandwiches, scrambles, and of course, toast, all infused with the deep love and commitment of founder and co-owner and my friend Meg Trainer and her team. Visit Bounty Kitchen at 7 Boston Street in Seattle's Queen Anne neighborhood or at 801 Lenora Street in Denny Triangle. And check out my interview with Meg on the podcast last year to learn more about her personal health journey and the inspiration behind Bounty Kitchen. Women's voices are always about women's power, how we feel about our power, how we use our power in the material world, and how the world responds to that power. Welcome to Women on the Rise. I'm executive coach and lifestyle expert, Lara Dolch. And each week, I talk to thriving women about the practical self-care strategies they use to fuel their success and pursue what's most important to them in their careers and lives. We get real about topics like healthy eating, exercise, sleep, stress, time management, happiness, mindset, and productivity, while busting myths about work-life balance and being perfect along the way. My goal each week is to uncover new insights that you can immediately apply to your life to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. Today, I'm talking to Alicia Dara. Alicia is a Seattle-based musician, activist, and voice teacher. Through private coaching, corporate workshops, and her public speaking bootcamp for women, Alicia supports her clients with singing, public speaking, and using their voice more powerfully in the world. Alicia also happens to be a truly wise and beautiful soul with much to share about more deeply connecting to your body and to the world around you. Alicia and I talked about the importance of connecting to your breath to support your voice, the collective power of women's voices and how it's shaping today's women's movement, finding your healthcare dream team, and how music can restore mind, body, and soul in a fast-paced world. She also gave me an impromptu tutorial on how to better use my voice as a podcaster. Enjoy the interview. Thank you so much for being here today, Alicia. It is my pleasure. It is absolutely my pleasure. Yeah, I'm really excited to to talk to you. And I think that, you know, your background is so interesting. And, you know, as I was saying in the in the intro, just the combination of, you know, voice teacher and, you know, musician. And I just think you have so much wisdom to share about so many topics. So why don't we start with Oh, know, I hope so. <laughs> Everyone has wisdom. Everyone has wisdom. Um, sure, sure. And uh, oh, and I should also t- tell our listeners uh, that you know you and I met years ago through a mutual friend. But this is really the first time that we've kind of collaborated on anything. Um, kind of. It's working. true, but I hope it won't be the last. Oh, I hope I hope not either. But yeah, why don't you tell everyone a little bit more about your work um, and you know, sort of how you help people, especially women, use their voices in whatever way you would like to describe that. Sure. Well, I am a professional voice coach, so I give private lessons and group trainings. I teach singing and public speaking, uh, and I've been doing it for more than 20 years. I actually, it's funny, I actually do teach all genders, but teaching women, gay, straight, trans, femme, cis, het is really my passion. Um, I created a training a couple of years ago called Public Speaking Boot Camp for Women that has really taken off like wildfire, and I've been able to do it everywhere all the time. And it's been, it's been fantastic. So 
I really get to combine in that particular training, I get to combine my passion for women's uh, power and strength and um, intelligence and uh, and all those incredible things that we want to project into the world, confidence, et cetera, with really good voice skills. So the thing that I'm constantly telling my clients is that it's really hard to project, project strength, confidence, and intelligence into the world if your voice is ragged and run down. Mm. It's very difficult to do that. And most of my clients are not using enough breath support. I mean, everybody's got a unique and wonderful voice. Humans are, humans are unique and wonderful. Each, each one of us has various strengths that are, that are interesting and compelling. But to really project our best self into the world, most people need help connecting with breath support, this thing called breath support. And because of my background as a performer and as a singer, I've been singing on stage since I was four years old. I have a ton of that training and that um, connection. So I'm able to um, pass on those skills to others. And, and the difference it makes is extraordinary. It's, my job is never, ever boring. It <laughs> continues to be compelling every single day because the difference that it makes when people are connected to that is so powerful and you can really you can see it and hear it and you can also just feel it you know breath being connected to breath and being grounded in the strongest voice that you've got is just it's just so awesome I, I love it I never get bored in my job ever. I'm sure I'm sure well and just the variety of clients that you have and it's so funny I, I don't know if you know this about me but I um I sang when I was you know younger and like you know through like elementary school and middle school and high school and so on and so forth and so you know right. it's funny to listen well yeah people are like can you sing now I'm like mm, that would be a different story but my point in telling you this <laughs> is that I it's it's interesting because I think that I'm always surprised at how many people actually don't um even understand what the idea of breath support means and like where that support should be coming from in their bodies. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So it's funny. I have many clients that do yoga. I have many clients that work out. I have many clients that were, I have a few clients that were pro athletes. Um, The funny thing about all that is that it doesn't necessarily mean like you can have a relationship with breath as it relates to um, doing exercise like yoga and, um, and all kinds of other stuff. And even, even your connection with meditation, you can be breathing deeply, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your voice is really connected to the breath support. To do that, you really have to practice. I take my clients through actual vocal exercises so that they can feel inside the anatomy, the basic anatomy of the voice, which includes the respiratory system, you know, your lungs and your, and your bronchial tubes and your vocal cords and all those things. And also the diaphragm muscle, which we call the platform of power. And unless and until you're really focused in on that stuff and you're really, you really know what to, what to feel for, so to speak, it's kind of tricky. So, so, you know, typically people who have yoga, athletic or, or meditation background connect to that stuff a lot faster. Mm -hmm. And certainly any kind of deep breathing that you're doing is really going to help. In fact, I, I really do recommend for my clients who are very serious about projecting their voices. I have a lot of like B and C suite clients, people who are, you know, really climbing the ladder of their profession. Um, and they really need to project a confident and strong voice. And I always recommend that they meditate because being in the state of meditation is so powerful for your kinesthetic awareness, not just because it stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system in the body, which is a very important, in my view, a very important life skill to have, Mm -hmm. but also because 
your connection to the breath, slowing down and feeling the breath in your body really helps give you a sense of how to connect to the power of your voice because the platform of all that is is breath. So that's my long way of saying that, you know, without breath, it's really hard to have a strong voice. Yeah, totally. Well, and that's so interesting. I never would have thought about the the connection with meditation. I mean, that's, yeah, that hadn't even occurred to me. I was thinking more about the the diaphragmatic support because I don't think, like some people don't even know where their diaphragm is, you know, which, it's you know, Most I mean, I get it. Like, yeah. no one's ever, you know, taught them. Like it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all that stuff really matters. And I can tell pretty quickly, do you know the expression to read between the lines? Sure. Yeah. So my job, my job essentially is to kind of hear between the words. Mm. So I can tell very quickly when I listen to someone speaking, whether or not they're connected to breath support. And, and as I get to know them, I can tell, you know, how connected to breath support they are. But I can tell you across the board that everybody could stand to have more breath support. And the difference it makes is phenomenal. It's incredible. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, now I'm scared because you're like I, you're like listening to me, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm totally talking in my throat today, which might explain why my what, my throat hurts a little bit. Yeah, well, like I'm even very aware of it, but I don't necessarily know what to do about it, which is why I may eventually well, hire you. <laughs> I, it would be my pleasure anytime. I mean, the the simple answer is, you know, take time to breathe deeper. Right. Mm-hmm. The deeper that you're breathing, the, the, the deeper breath is important because the bottom of the lungs are what is connected to the top of the diaphragm. So a shallow breath doesn't get you very far. You don't have a lot of stamina if you're breathing in a shallow way because the control that your diaphragm can affect upon the breath is very limited if the air is not going down to the bottom of your lungs. So that's why deep breathing matters so much. Yeah, totally. You, know, well, you, you, you just have to practice, you know, like anything else, you really have to practice. I think that's right. And the connection, I think, you know, as you were saying, when people who have experience with yoga and Pilates and other disciplines that help you uh, harness the breath still don't necessarily know how to connect that to their voice. And I think I probably am one of those people, right? Like I have all of that training. I bet. I actually, okay. So I, I can hear that your voice has a lot of beautiful resonance in it. I can hear that you were a singer, Laura. And I, and I will tell you that if you can find time in your day to sing or even just to do some light humming, I'm always talking to my clients about light humming. Many of my clients are very self-conscious about like full on singing, but even some light humming in a very comfortable voice range as you're commuting or whatever, whatever you're doing during your day will help keep your voice warm and it'll help you get more into the feeling of your voice. But the more you can sing, the better, as long as you're not, you know, going past your, your strain threshold and it takes a while to kind of figure out where that is. But your, your background as a vocalist, I promise you, it's still helping you. It's still in there. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate the encouragement. And I'm curious, you know, with your clients, what changes they experience in their careers and in their lives as a result of working with you? Well, okay. So, I mean, you know, like everything else you'd have to ask them, but, <laughs> but typically what they, what, what they tell me is that um, they are much more conscious of their power. So particularly with women, I, I'm always saying that women's voices are always about women's power, how we feel about our power, how we use our power in the material world and how the world responds to that power. It's not only our voice itself, it's our patterns of communication, the way, the things we emphasize in our speech, the rate at which we speak, the, the way we hold our bodies. I do so much coaching of body language in my, in my voice teacher practice. It's funny. Um, but, you know, typically what they tell me is that they start to speak up for themselves in every area of their lives. So most people come to see me to work on a presentation, a pitch, 
some kind of, um, you know, job interview or something that they have. But as we work together and time goes on, they start to realize that their voice is kind of getting stronger. They're getting more comfortable in their voice. And so they're getting more comfortable speaking up for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think you can see in our culture right now in this moment that we're in, this movement that is building, I think you can see plainly what happens when women decide that we're going to use the collective power of our voices. It, it's, it's remarkable and unstoppable. Yeah. So in my small way, I'm happy to contribute to that, you know, in my job. It's, it is, in fact, it's, I, I think of it as a great privilege, you know, to Absolutely. do the work. And, and I, like I said, I'm never bored, you know. Well, no, and I think you're right. I think that it is, uh, especially now, and you absolutely are contributing to that. And I I feel similarly about my work. In many ways, we're doing sort of the same work, which is we're coming at it from different angles, but, you know, helping women sort of reclaim their their power so that they can achieve what they want to achieve in their lives, whether it is on the public stage or in their family, you know, or their community. Yes. Or at work. I think you are definitely part of the solution. And I, and I, I know, I know your work is making a difference because I, I just, I understand how this whole dynamic works. You know, it's so important to have that extra support. It matters so much. I I have found in my, in my life as a coach, and I think you probably have found this too, that human beings can do really human beings can do phenomenal things with coaching. (laughs) Like we can get a lot done. You know, there's a reason why elite athletes, um, um, you know, politicians and lawyers and entertainers have coaches. It's, it's a, it's a profession that is vital, I think, in terms of human potential in general and women's potential specifically. And I, I always think of you as part of the solution. Absolutely. Oh, you're sweet. Well, and I completely agree with the coaching. <laughs> I'm, I'm often saying that to people because I think that women in particular would prefer that. In fact, I was talking to a client about this the other day women in particular would prefer that everyone, you know, sort of think that everything, they've got it all together, right? Like that they don't need support that they, you know, no, I got it. I'm good. I got it all. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and I, I totally get that compulsion, but then that unfortunately brings this sort of layer of shame when it comes to reaching out for that support. And I, my, you know, perspective is that that is actually the most wise and, and courageous and, you know, thing to do is to reach out to whether it's a coach or someone else to reach out for that support to recognize that. Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Yeah. It, it's incredible. I, I think there is, it's something about the pace of 21st century life and the fact that I think it's part of it is that the fact that women have come so far and yet there's still so much work to do. We still don't have economic parity. We still don't have social parity. We still don't have, you know, political parity. I, it's, there's still so much work to do and we're so much more conscious of it. And the pace of life is so much quicker than, you know, you and I lived and grew up in the pre-internet era. We actually remember that, you know, and I think it's (laughs) something about the pace. I mean, I think my, my greatest challenge with personal wellness is, is really taking the time to slow down Mm -hmm. because if I'm awake, you know, I, my thing is like, I need to be doing stuff. (laughs) And that's not really conducive to my best work. And that is something that I have come to understand. I actually have built in my day areas, you know, times of vocal rest. I try when I have time in my schedule, I try to build in time to, for example, read fiction from an actual book, not a screen. You know, I try, I absolutely meditate every morning. I mean, I, 
I think that the, we have such an imperative to work hard and it matters so much, but yet, you know, the pace that we have to, we're expected to go is just so crazy that, you know, it's, yeah, to me, it's really wellness is a big part of it for me. is just slowing down you know, being in the moment, like every, like everything else, you know? No, I think that's right. I think you're right. I mean, like, like, honestly, if we could all learn to do that and just be present, we would, we would solve a lot of these challenges that we have around, um, illness and, you know, whatever it is that you, that you include in the term wellness. In fact, I'm curious, how, Mm -hmm. what does being well mean to you at this point in your life? Oh my goodness. Wow. Um, I definitely, at this point in my life, I definitely have specific, <laughs> specific metric for wellness. And it's really, it comes down to three things. So, so being well-rested, I'm very fortunate in that I don't need help with sleep. I'm a pretty good sleeper. Um, so sleep is a big thing for me. Uh, obviously having a strong voice when my voice is kind of like, I just finished up with the flu. My voice is not really in the place where I want it to be. I don't <laughs> feel as strong in the world for that reason. I don't feel as yeah. well. But also the third thing for me is, is really clear skin because I, I have always struggled with eczema and I'm kind of rashy. Like I just finished the flu and I had a high fever and I was taking all this Tylenol and I had this big rash on my legs that broke out. And I was like, ah, oh, I got to fix the rash, you know? So I think those three things are, are sort of it for me. I, when those three things are, are in balance, then I know that I'm, I'm just humming along at a good rate. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, it sounds like you, ha- yeah, you have some very clear physical symptoms, which, you know, many of us do and, and, and many of us also ignore them. So it's good that you do not ignore them. <laughs> I can't, I mean, I just can't do that. I, I cannot ignore those things there. I mean, I certainly can't ignore my voice because it's my livelihood. I can't ignore my sleep because I'm in my mid forties and it's never been more important, you know, yeah. and I can't, I can't ignore eczema because it can be so painful, you know, and, and frankly, kind of embarrassing. So you know, I, I work on, I work on that a lot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and yeah. is there something, I'm, you know, is there anything that you do that feels like self-care to you, but that wouldn't necessarily show up in a book about wellness? I mean, singing for me has always been spiritually revivifying. If I can use that term, I feel connected to something infinite when I'm singing something that is um, ancient and, and sort of um, arcane and mysterious and not, not meant to be known in a, in a sort of mundane way, I guess. Um, So I, when I get to sing, I, I feel a kind of almost like a kind of clarification of, of my soul and just, kind of my, yeah, it's, it's more than that. It's even kinesthetic. I feel, I feel like singing actually repairs some damage, physical, mental, emotional damage that just Mm -hmm. sort of happens as a result of being a human being, you know, but also, I mean, I, I, I I would have to say acupuncture. I I know that acupuncture can be controversial for some people who, who don't really kind of understand how it works, but. Oh, I love acupuncture. um, You're talking to the right person. Yeah. I mean, I, I consider my, my acupuncturist, I consider my acupuncturist to be my primary care provider. I mean, I, I, I rely on her so much and the work that she does for me works so well that I, I just, I, I kind of consider it an essential. It's a, it's really a big part of my budget, you know? Yeah. 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 You know, how did you figure out what you personally need to feel healthy, you know, vibrant, well, however you want to say that. Like, how did you figure those things out? 
Oh, I can tell you absolutely. To go back to eczema, I, eczema for me has been the wellness guide from the beginning because I was born with it as an infant. So I've always been dealing with it. And, you know, skin is a very, it's a very diagnostic kind of tool because it's on the outside. It's visible. It's like your body saying to you, hey, something is going on. Pay attention to me, you know? So I have been able to, I've been so fortunate that I grew up in Canada where we have, you know, or at least we had wonderful healthcare. And um, I was so fortunate in that my parents were hippies and they were totally open to so-called alternative medicine. And I've been able to try out so many different things. And because, again, I think because it's about skin, it's just, it's just very clear whether or not some, some treatment or some ointment or some remedy is working. Your skin tells you, oh yeah, that's, that's going great, you know, but skin informs everything, all my, you know, all the gut stuff, you know, really getting my gut in order and understanding, um, yeah, just, you know, the effect of food and all those things. It's, it all comes down to skin for me. That's, that's really been the way that I kind of figure it all out. If something's going on with my skin, I know that I'm neglecting something in my wellness, my health and wellness somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's that you've tuned into your body, right? I mean, that's kind of what I, you know, talk to my clients about is finding that whether it's, you know, whether it's your skin or something else that's happening in your body, like what is your kind of, what's the alarm that goes off in your body, right? When something's not right. And in some, I mean, not that, I mean, I would never call someone who has eczema lucky because I actually have some on my hands. So I get it, but it's it's on (laughs) in some respects and I mean, it's terrible. I hate it. It's in this time of year is when it, when it, Oh, it's a bummer. Yeah. But so, but it is in some respects, you kind of, at least, you know, you know, something's up. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's yeah, a more oh, yeah. Yeah. alarm than, um, than other people have. And in some respects, easier to pay attention to, but it's, it's no fun. Definitely. Yep. Yeah. Well, yep. and it sounds like also that you have experimented with a lot of different things, whether it's to address oh, yeah. the, the eczema or other things. Like, can you talk about that experimentation process and how you kind of honed in? I do think, I think it's so interesting. It's so central to the work that I do. I'm, I'm fascinated to hear how other people have done it on their own. Sure. Sure. I mean, I, I can say for certain that I have been very blessed in terms of my healthcare providers. So I have a lot of um, friends and a lot of clients who have had really bad experiences with providers, people who have not um, listened to them, who have tried to kind of impose their own agenda on them, um, people who have like a sort of, you know, sometimes a very narrow focus of education in your training as a, as a you know, medical person or as a wellness person can be, can be limiting um, and cause you to, you know, just sort of have a limited viewpoint. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I have heard so many horror stories and I've been so lucky. I think my process of experimentation has a lot to do with, um, building a rapport with the provider. So I'm a fairly intuitive person. I mean, like you, I, I work obviously, you know, one-on-one with people all the time in my job. And I feel like I'm fairly good at reading people and more specifically, I feel like I understand when someone is really open and listening in a genuine way to what my dilemma is um, in in that, in that arena. And so I, you know, I definitely walked out right away on some providers that were strongly recommended to me because I could tell it was not a good match. You know, I I just could tell right away, this is not going to work, you know? And, and then I, but you know, again, I've been so blessed and lucky. I, I would say to anybody that is on their wellness journey, that it's, 
it's really, you really have to go until you find like your dream team of people that you really respond to because so much of that, of that process of wellness is a trust exercise. It's a rapport that you build with that person. And I think it is also a transfer of energy, whatever that means to us, you know, like I know my acupuncturist was so, is so good at what she does. She's such a good match for me that I agreed to become board president of her clinic because I really, it's the (laughs) U district community acupuncture clinic. Yeah. Because I really, I believe in her work so much. It's not just that I believe in acupuncture. It's that I believe in her, in the work that she's doing so much. I think she's a gifted, a truly gifted healer. And I want everybody I know to get that, to get that healing, you know? Yeah. So So that's a big part of my, of my process is really, and, I, and I'm super loyal to my providers. I mean, I, I, you know, she's been my, my acupuncturist for eight years and I, and I, I, I told her the other day, like, I don't, I don't want to go through menopause another 10 years without her. You know? Yeah, totally. That's great <laughs> so, though. I, so, I love yeah. that idea of a dream team. That's, that's definitely a theme, you know, that, that I can get on board with for sure. And I, I think you're right. I mean, you just have to, it is an energy transfer and it is a very personal relationship and, uh, you have to always tell people you have to kind of like interview people and if they won't if they won't yeah. like spend time with you initially you know before charging you money then especially with coaches i mean if if you you know if they won't allow you to speak to them before you pay them then mm, that's a bit of a red absolutely flag. <laughs> absolutely and you have to you have to feel safe with that person i mean i i really I'm very conscious of the fact, I've been teaching a long time, more than 20 years, and I am very conscious of the fact that when someone comes in to my space, I really need to divest myself of ego, I need to divest myself of any agenda, and just be completely open and present for them. And that is the, I think it is the expectation that I have of wellness providers for my dream team is that they are in that space too, because I know from my own work that when we're in that space together, powerful transformative things can happen. Mm -hmm. But if, if the client does not feel me, if they don't feel that I am there for them, that I'm present and that I'm able to hold that space for them, it's really hard for them to trust me. And then there's, you know, there's not a lot of work that can get done. So, so I think, I think that works, you know? Yeah. What motivates you to keep making healthy choices? Again, whatever that means for you, even when sometimes it feels like a pain in the ass, <laughs> you know? Oh, you really want to know? I, <laughs> I I have a sort of a secret answer <laughs> that I will tell you. And I never talk about this, but I will, I will tell you it's honestly, it's longevity. I want to live a really long time. There's nothing like, I don't really want to stop. I mean, yeah, like I, I don't really want to stop doing what I'm doing. I, I love the work that I do. I feel so connected to it. And I, and I feel, I mean, I think that I, that I, I, at least I aspire to keep getting better at it every year that I'm doing it. And I would so love to keep doing it in my eighties, particularly because I feel like as women age, you know, typically or stereotypically, we get sort of thrown away by our culture, you know, and, and I just, um, in my life, I've known some powerful female mentors who were much older and they changed my life, particularly in my, in my late teens and early twenties, they changed the entire trajectory of my life with their power and wisdom. And I aspire to, to get to that place. I mean, I, I think 
I don't know. I, I think that's my main motivation. I, I, I almost hesitate to say it because I don't mean to imply that I am not grounded here in the present because I really, I believe that I am. But in terms of what motivates me, it's longevity. I, I just, I want to be crystal clear in my mind when I'm 90, you know, I want to be as physically healthy as I can be. Supposedly by then, you know, nanobots will be like clearing out our arteries. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so, who knows, you know, but like that's, that's what motivates me. Absolutely. I love that. That's I think it. that's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because I, I, it's <laughs> funny. I, um, I can't remember who I was having this conversation with probably my mastermind group and business coach or someone was sort of asking me to think about, you know, visioning into the future and, and just the, the, some of the people that came up for me that I, uh, aspire to be. Yeah, exactly. Are older wise women who have had, an impact in whatever field they're in and who, you know, people just, you know, look up to for advice and wisdom and, and, yeah. you know, and it's, uh, yeah, I completely totally am on board, on board with that. You know, and, and value just, just really valuing what, what that wisdom is. I, I know that there are cultures on this planet where, elderly women are the most respected and most revered of any community, you know, and their knowledge and wisdom is the, is the most important vital thing for that community to keep going and keep innovating and to stay connected to tradition and also to just really ancient knowledge and wisdom. And, and, and I think that our culture, our modern culture that we live in here in the Western world is sorely lacking in that respect. And, and, um, so I want to be part of that in, in whatever way that I can. Yeah, I love that. So, you know, you touched a little bit on this earlier, but I'm going to ask anyway, do you have a morning or an evening routine that's sort of part yes. of your self-care? Yes. In fact, I would say that I, I, I maybe could work. I'll tell you what, Laura, like I could maybe work on being like less attached to my routine. <laughs> I, I think I, I think I actually, do you know the expression um, to need a lot of variety in one's routine? You know that expression? Mm-hmm. I think I actually need a lot of routine in my variety. I, I could stand to break out of it, but that, but that it. said, I will tell you, I'll tell you what it is. So, so I wake up naturally for the most part. And, um, I'm up right away. I drink a giant glass of water and I counsel all my clients to start the day with water because it really does hydrate your voice. You've been yeah. asleep for hopefully eight hours with no hydration. And, you know, many of my clients like slam a bunch of coffee first thing in the morning. And I always tell them like, drink a big glass of water. I know me so I too. That first. That's so funny. That's always you know, my it's first the, thing. It's the best thing ever. And it makes, it makes such an immediate difference. It's like incredible. Yeah. And then I, um, I don't, I'm not a caffeine user really at all, except for once a month I have some dark chocolate. So, um, so <laughs> then once I, a month. Alicia, well, we like, you know, pop. like, well, I mean, chocolate's not great for me. It's like one of the things on the like sort of not okay, great for my enough. body list, but you know, you have PMS and it's like, you know, God forbid you don't get some chocolate, right? So I yes. save it. I have a whole chocolate area in my kitchen and I just, I only eat the best time that I like and I do it once a month. It's great. <laughs> um, but then I, uh, then I make some breakfast and I make um, the same breakfast every morning. I make um, steamed quinoa and pumpkin protein powder and some sunflower butter, which are all things that are on my good list of stuff to eat. And then I um, will typically, so my rule is I do not answer any emails before breakfast and meditation. I don't do any of that. I'm very focused on like getting my system online and sort of just the process of waking up. So then I sit down and I meditate typically for about 15 minutes. And I'm really very, um, I'm super uh, responsive to sound, to noise. 
And so I have found the thing that gets me to the deepest place of meditation is actually nature sound. Mm. Yeah. So I have some apps. Yeah. Yeah. It's very evocative for me. So I have some apps that I listen to that have various different kind of sounds of nature. And I find that to be tremendously calming. And the meditation actually goes by fairly quickly. I think my brain is, is much more used to it now than when I started when I was a teenager or whatever. And then, um, you know, after that, I'll just typically shower and then I just get started on client emails and I answer those and I, and I respond to clients until I'm teaching um, either a big group training like I'm doing on Wednesday at Microsoft or I am teaching private clients. And I go till the end of the day and then I just kind of collapse on the couch. <laughs> but my, that, morning, that morning routine for me is incredibly important. Oh, and I should also say that I, I actually do work out three times a week. So, you know, I'll finish up with meditation and then I'll go to the gym or I will go on a big like fitness walk. Um, or something like that. So I do, I do also exercise, but I, those things to me are sort of like, you know, that's non-negotiable. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of yeah. have to do it. Yeah. Totally. Actually, it's very funny. Our morning routines are almost identical. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Down to the glass of great mind. That's right. I know. It's, yeah, it's very funny. I, well, and I, in an ideal world, you know, I just, I like the slow process of waking up too. And so in an ideal world, I would have like literally three hours from the time that I get up to the time that I oh, have to do anything, but that doesn't always Wouldn't happen. that be yeah. perfect? It does that happen would occasionally. Be, oh, Once in a while, yeah, once in a while I have a day like that. And I actually work six days a week. So I see private clients on Saturdays as well, because Mm -hmm. many of my clients cannot come during the week. So Saturdays are the only time. So Sunday is really my my sort of day off. And that's, that's typically the day where I take a lot more time. My meditation is a lot longer. My workout is a lot longer. I spend a lot more time on that. And I don't, I don't even open my laptop until like evening, you know, yeah. Well, that's really wise. That's one thing that I need to cut out is checking email. I don't respond to anything, but I do look first thing in the morning and I got to stop doing that. So thank you for reminding me of the importance of that. Yeah. Because it's really yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a small thing. Yeah. It's a small thing, but I think it, it really matters. I think it's very, um, sort of, it's very respectful of, of your, of your brain, of what your brain needs and, and just sort of waking up. And I, and I, I prefer to do it that way. Sometimes I can't. Sometimes I have, you know, a client on the East Coast or something and I have to respond right away. But in general, that's my, that's my rule. Yeah. No, I yep. think it's a good one. So I have one more question for you, which sure. is, um, I'm curious to know what, well, whether you listen to Spotify or whatever, but what's on your playlist <laughs> when, you, uh, when you need to feel energized and what's on your playlist when oh. you're calm and centered? Oh my goodness. I have so much to say about this. I will I know, try, to, I I try to condense it down. Okay. So I, I am a musician. I, I've played and sung in bands my whole life and I'm super, super uh, picky about music. These days, I don't have as much time to make playlists, but I like to kind of like brag that I am sort of a playlist Jedi, but I haven't done it in a while. Um, I will tell you that my energy music is always um, 80s and 90s pop and hip hop. Nice. Always. Nice. So like when I am tired at the end of the day and I want to make a nice dinner, I just, you know, it's 90s hip hop or 80s pop or even 80s hip hop. I love to. Um, <laughs> there are two records by Janet Jackson from, from, well, one of them is Control, which I think is 1988. And one of them is uh, Rhythm Nation, which I think is 91. And those two records are like rocket fuel for me. And I put, I put those on and I can sort of do anything. Um, and I love that stuff. I love the rhythm of hip hop music. I've always loved it. I went to school in New York city, um, in the early nineties, right when hip hop was sort of like forming and kind of breaking out. So it has a great association for me there. Um, and when I need to calm down, it's, 
it's typically, it's, it really comes back to nature sounds are incredible, incredibly calming for me. Um, I read something the other day, something in the, I think it was the New York Times wellness blog about this thing called forest deficiency syndrome or nature deficiency oh, syndrome or something yeah. like that about how it's like a real kind of um, issue that's been identified and it has to do with, you know, human beings need a connection, some kind of connection with nature in order to thrive. And I think really just in order to kind of be a human being, we really need to be connected to nature. And I'm from Vancouver, BC. I mean, I grew up two blocks from the beach. I think, you know, that's always been super important to me. Um, So nature really calms me down. There are some records that I find very calming that I enjoy. Um, my parents are classical musicians, professional symphony musicians. I grew up in a family of professional symphony musicians. And so there's a lot of classical music that I find very calming. I love French composers like uh, Debussy, Fauré, Satie, Saint-Saëns, all of the soothing kind of French art songs I love. Um, there is a record by Sheila Chandra, who I think is one of our greatest living singers, that is incredibly beautiful that I love and I'm blanking on it right now. Yeah. And I think it's, Oh gosh, it might even be her compilation. I think it is. I think it's the compilation she did on Peter Gabriel's real world Mm. uh, label. I think that's the one I have um, that I love. Um, Yeah. And stuff and stuff like that. I really try. I mean, I live in the city as you do. Um, Seattle is a, is a, is a much more populated, densely populated city than it was when I first moved here. But I really try when I'm outside on a fitness, what what I call a fitness walk, I really try to tune into sounds around me. Um, And I, and I'm pretty good at listening and identifying because I've been a musician again for so long. It's kind of part of the job. So I try very hard to kind of tune out other stuff and really connect to that. Right now here in the Northwest, we have incredible birds that have returned and their migration. And it's kind of the same, you know, birds that are there every year. And so I, I enjoy that, you know, a lot. Um, yeah, like that. I'm trying to think if there's anything. I feel like there's a whole bunch of stuff I'm leaving out that I just, I can't <laughs> well, come to. But it's, it's hard to ask a musician about music. Because, I know. So, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I definitely... That thing I was saying earlier about how singing is sort of spiritually revivifying for me, I, I, I definitely know that there is a state, you know, that, that you sort of go into when you're actually writing music, when you're in touch with your own creativity. My current band is called Diamond Wolf, and I'm very lucky because I have the world's best partner. We are, we are a two-person band, and we do close harmony singing with acoustic instruments, and I'm so lucky because... My partner really knows when we're working together and writing music together, my partner really knows how to hang back and just let me sort of fill up the space with ideas and, and all kinds of stuff. And, and the time goes by so quickly, you know, if I, if I'm going to be like calmed, if I'm really going to be calmed, I know that it has worked well when the time has passed quickly, when it has seemed both infinite and very fast. I think yeah. that's how I know the brain state I'm in has been very effective. Same with meditation. You know, it's that, it's that kind of feeling of the infinite, but it's also, it just passes quickly. Yeah. I love that. And I, and I hope that, you know, that listeners have, you know, experienced that or seek to experience that because it's an amazing thing. And it's, unfortunately it's fleeting, but it's amazing even for that, for that moment. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I really think we can cultivate it. I, I, 
I just, the older that I get, the more that I'm starting to understand about human potential and the more that I am starting to have faith in humanity in a way that I don't think I could have done when I was younger. I've been very cynical at times in my life because of my work as an activist and, and you know, all that all that stuff um, and just, you know, being in the world as a, as a feminist, <laughs> as I'm sure you know, is not always great. Yeah. Yeah. The last couple of years, I feel a renewed sense of faith in humanity and in human potential. And so much of that is about a state of mind, a literal state of mind. And, you know, things like meditation, things like singing, things like deep breathing, things like dedicated wellness to me are all a part of that. They're all a part of the solution. And I try to make time for that stuff literally every day. I couldn't agree more. I, I, I think that's right. And I do think everything you just mentioned is part of the solution. I just hadn't sort of really articulated it that way. So thank you for sharing that. That was yeah, really powerful. My pleasure. Yeah. Where can people find out more about you and your work? Uh, my website, www.alishadara.com, contains all kinds of stuff uh, about my work and my trainings, everything that's coming up. I got some really great trainings coming um, this summer, and I'm available to come and give trainings on site at work for people. I can also do that. I have some space in my calendar for some private uh, lessons coming up here, spring and summer all very exciting. I'm working on expanding my YouTube channel this spring. That's my big push. There's a lot of cool stuff going on. Oh, my band is Diamond Wolf, diamondwolfmusic.com. Um, it's one word, Diamond Wolf. Yep. Yep. And I'll put and all that in the show notes. a whole bunch of our music. Yeah. Good. Great. Good. Thank you so much, Alicia. This was really, really fun. I feel like we could talk for like my, an hour. Oh my God. I totally agree. My absolute pleasure. And please keep up the great work you're doing, Lara. It, it really does make a difference. And I, and I hope that you, that you feel that. Like I said, I really think of the work you're doing as part of the solution. Oh, thank you so much. That's it for this week's episode of Women on the Rise. If you're ready now to wake up with the energy, clarity, and confidence to take on your goals, visit laradonch.com slash women on the rise to get a few resources I pulled together just for Women on the Rise listeners. For show notes and resources mentioned in this episode, visit laradonch.com slash podcast. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and review the podcast in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. It's a huge help to the show and I truly appreciate it. This episode was produced by me with editing help from Dave Nelson at Lens Group Media.